This is Liz Reed. This is my podcast called Liz Life Guru. I'm a practicing therapist here in Michigan. This show will focus on addiction, mental health issues from beginning to end. I am also in recovery for the past 20 years and I have plenty of topics that can help you from A to Z. So let's get started. Gina, good to see you, honey. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am well. Thank you. We have a great topic to talk about today that... God knows 5% globally around the world suffer from, and that is depression. Mm. 19.4 million Americans suffer from depression. Do you actually know what depression is? Many people don't. I think we misconstrue it as a lot of different things. You know what? And I think everybody sometimes feels like they're depressed. Yeah. But what's the accurate account? But right? what's right? What, what is actually depression? Well, if we're looking at an actual definition, persistent sadness, right? So there's degreeing variables on where that's going to be. Is this situational? Is this some situation I find myself in? Something's happened to me that has made me depressed? Or am I clinically depressed? And that's what we're going to explore today. Am I clinically depressed or am I situationally depressed? Or possibly am I both? So there's okay. a lot that goes into that. Your situation can be bringing you down and you can also be having a neurotransmitter problem within your brain that is not producing enough uh, neoprephrine and dopamine and serotonin, and that is causing you to feel sad and depressed. A lot of people that have a serious major depressive disorder take to their beds, stop functioning, and can't do anything. And that's the people that I'm kind of reaching out to today, although all are just as disheartening and difficult to deal with. So that's kind of what I'm bringing up. So there's so many different ways to look at depression, but what is it really? Because I think a lot of people toss that word around and aren't clear on what depression really means to them. I think so, because I think in conversation, we've all said it, mm -hmm. at least I have, you know, I'm so mm -hmm. depressed, it, yeah. you know, oh, this, or the weather, it's so gray, I'm just so depressed, I don't like all the snow, or I don't like all this rain. Yeah. I'm, you know, I think we use depression, or I use depression as just a descriptor. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily, from what I hear you saying, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, I have a depression. Actually depressed. Like a lot of people, we live in Michigan, right? We're recording here in Michigan. Seasonal depression is something that a lot of people suffer from. That means lack of sunlight. When there's lack of sunlight, there's lack of vitamin D. A lot of the things that may help us to feel stimulated and want to go outside and do things. And if, you, if that's occurring in your life, there's ways to combat that. One of them is sitting by a window when there is light, even if it's cold outside. And the days that the sun is out, go outside and stand outside. You take um, extra amounts of vitamin D3. I am not a doctor, but this is what I've been recommended. 5,000 IUs will help to stimulate um, your vitamin D production, which is a lack of when you have lack of seasonal sun and you suffer from seasonal depression. So there's many things that you can do that will help, and you kind of need to change your schedule around when you have seasonal depression. So it's one of the kinds of depression. One of the many kinds of depression. And I'm, I, we're not going to get into all of them. We're going to go Certainly. with the ones that we know the most about. Um, depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Isn't that amazing? Disability meaning what? Meaning illness and disease that people claim disability or need treatment for or cannot work any further. So a disability would be? Disabilitating depression, where it's just too difficult to function, to function in normal life. Yeah. So to get out of the bed or to leave the house. Mm -hmm. Women over men, women experience more emotional fluctuation biologically and are prone to depression. 
you think about that? Makes it sound a little crazy, right? It does. Why is it that women, why? Because we have more hormone fluctuations within our bodies. So when we're getting ready for puberty, right? Mm -hmm. There's major fluctuations there. Then we start menstruating. There's Mm -hmm. major fluctuations in our hormones then. Pregnancy. I've never been pregnant. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been pregnant? I've never been pregnant. Okay. You and I are non-breeders. We're just throwing that out there. Right. But we know plenty of people that have had babies, right? Right. And they have been very hormonal. Perimenopausal. Right. Okay. Done that. And menopause, which I went through, which I mean, I felt like a crazy person. Did you? Oh my God. Yes, it was. Well, I had surgical hysterectomy uh, at thirty, and um, I so was having was, one panic attack after another. I was like, out of my mind. I was like, something's really wrong. Yeah, it was really bad. So let me stop you. So panic attacks, not something that I would associate with depression. With depression, they're sisters to each other. How so? Well, anxiety and depression run together. Usually, you may have one or the other, but for the most part, a lot of people have anxiety mixed with depression. Okay. So that's why they are able to use SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, to help with anxiety and with depression. It kind of is a double whammy. For some, a third of the population, it does not work for, though. And I don't think that a lot of people know that, that antidepressants don't work for some people with anxiety. But with depression, there's many different things that you can take that we'll talk about later that'll be very helpful for you to get through your depressive episode. And just because you've listened to a podcast or read a book or seen a webpage, it's not anything that you should automatically assume that that's, that medication is for you. You should consult a doctor yes, for all yeah. medical advice. Of course, of course. If we're dealing with a major depressive disorder in a lot of ways, you know, what would be the key signs that you would look for? Well, there's a couple things here. If we're depressed, the situation you find yourself in may be enabling your depression, right? So I'm going to use a woman because this is typically what I see. If you're able to live in your depression, stay in bed or not function as you would take care of your children or your home or yourself or any one of those things, that is only going to make your depression worse, And we'll talk more about that, but it's about finding out what it is that you need that is going to help you. Has this come happened overnight or has this taken a while to happen? Sometimes trauma can trigger this. Um, But what we know is, is that when we stop producing enough serotonin and the other feel good neurotransmitters within the brain, we become depressed and we can't make them on our own. So the less we do makes it worse. So that's when we need our pharmaceutical intervention to help with that. So people who say, I'm just so sad, I just can't snap out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's plenty of people that will say, I have a great life. I have a good husband. I have a good job. My children are fabulous, but I just don't feel like functioning. I don't feel good. I'm comp- very unhappy. I don't know why I'm like this. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances that you find yourself in. The people that are around you, I wish that was the situation. Then we could change the situation, right? Mm -hmm. But not in a clinical depression, not in a major depressive disorder. All of those things don't matter. And when you start giving into your depression, which often people don't even know they're giving into their depression, that's when it will really overtake your body and overtake you. People find it difficult to walk, to, you know, you'll sleep for excessive amounts of time or stay up for excessive amounts of time. There's a million different things that go along with it that make it extremely difficult to function in your life. And when it gets to that point, 
that's when you really have to start doing something chemically to help yourself produce these neurotransmitters that you need, at least to get you over the hump. So right? anything over or under, overeating, undereating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over, oh, mm-hmm. what about overcleaning or undercleaning? Like those kinds of behaviors. Well, then we're getting into something more like a depressive episode mixed with mania, or, you know, it can be mixed with psychoses. I mean, now we're getting into some really defined stuff that psychiatrists have to help you with. And depression now, because our psychiatrists are so overwhelmed, a lot of our general uh, practitioners are taking over this and taking on the small responsibility of just a mild antidepressant for your average person who's just having a real, you know, a lull right now or having a hard time. So that's helpful. And then we're seeing a lot more PAs that are now going into psychiatry to help with the demand for psychiatric meds. And once again, that gets us into a whole nother topic. How come there's so much depression? Right. And, and I'm I'm guessing since in recent years, the amount of depression that is being seen has increased because yes. of life circumstances. Life circumstances, pandemic, pressure we put on ourselves, cost of living, whatever it may be, we really have a lot that we put on ourselves that adds that being super mom, all our kids are straight A students. I'm doing the best. I'm an athlete as well as a mom. So social media isn't helping. No, once again, social media isn't helping. Now, you know, when we're talking about men, let's add men into here. Plenty of men suffer from depression. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Many, many men, but it's typically more women. Okay, because of our hormonal fluctuations. But in a man, typically depression comes off in irritability and impulsiveness. Okay, they do things that are erratic. Um, We hear about men doing stupid things in their 40s or 50s, midlife crisis, go out and buy a Corvette, things like that, or become extremely grumpy or cranky about this, that, or the other thing. They do a lot of different things because they aren't ruled so much. They don't have the hormonal fluctuations like a woman does. It doesn't mean we're crazy. It just means that we have more hormones. Are women more likely to admit that they're having these feelings? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank God, right? Where are they? a little softer side to the human race that tries to show empathy and understand our own circumstances as well as a friend's. But then again, even in saying that, depending on where you find yourself living, your, the culture you surround yourself with, the people that you know and how you were raised in your family will determine how you're going to accept treatment. I have people that have come to me over and over again that have said, listen, you know, I can't get out of bed. I can't do my daily tasks. I can't do this. I can't do that. Plus I'm having panic attacks, yada, yada, yada. Like, well, this is time for a pharmaceutical intervention. You know, you need to go talk to a trained psychiatrist, a, your doctor about a pharmaceutical intervention. And this just happened recently when the women I was talking to said, I'll never take that shit. And I said, oh, okay, well, (laughs) then it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. And she didn't believe me. And on and on and on it went. And she is now, I think, possibly thinking about taking something because it's getting worse. Her, her world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And she can do less and less. And this was an overachieving woman, mom. And uh, take kids to sports, cooking, baking, this and that on all, every different type of task you can imagine. But when your world starts to get that small, it's not really worth living. And that's when the ugliness of suicide starts rearing its head and we start going, my life is hopeless. Why even bother? I can definitely lead down that path. Depression is number one leader in suicide. There are some numbers that I think we should share at this time for anybody who's experiencing the thought of suicide or you know of someone 
who is mm-hmm. talking about suicide. Of course, 911, if someone you know is in immediate danger and you need help instantaneously, that's always an option. Yeah. But then there's the suicide and crisis lifeline, which is 988, mm-hmm. and you can call and text that. That's new, too. That's awesome. That's all you have to do. And it's 24 hours, confidential support to anybody with a suicide crisis or emotional distress. But if you knew of someone, I mean, the person experiencing it, is that correct? They yeah. can call. But if mm-hmm. you know of someone who is experiencing this and you need help with a friend or a family member. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the disaster distress helpline. Mm. 1-800-985-5990. And it provides immediate crisis and counseling for people who are experiencing emotional distress related to any natural or human caused disaster. Yeah. Also a free helpline. Yeah, there's lots of resources out there. I always like to mention that, how many resources we have out there that are free that will help us. The first thing is admitting there's a problem. And if you can't admit that there's a problem or that you need help, it is very hard to help you because no one's going to knock on the door and say, can I do something for you? So if you have a family member or a friend that you see experiencing this type of situation or this type of behavior, which I'm going to mention right now, you need to definitely encourage them to call have that hard talk with them. You're not the same person you used to be. I'm really worried about you. They may be mad at you now, but you know it may just save a life. Are there specific things that you need to say like when you're going to approach somebody? Well, I like, mean, typically it's kind of difficult for somebody in your family or a friend to talk to them and say, hey, listen, um, I think you're going through something. They can be on the defensive, but you can make it known that you know they're acting differently. And if they want some help, they can talk to you about it. There's no judgment zone. I'm not going to tell anybody, but I'm really concerned about you for sure. So what would you think are some of the signs that we would look for in people that are suffering from depression? The obvious uh, that, you know, they're sad. Yeah. They're avoiding, they're avoiding phone call or avoiding texting, um, maybe changes in, you know, like they're, they always worked out or they, yeah, would, they're not eating as much, maybe an excuse or just an complaining about not feeling well or this hurts or that hurts or Mm -hmm. pain goes along with depression as well phantom pain usually but also if you're not active and not moving you're going to have some pain issues as well and this is how this can be the trap of pain and 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 uh, urgency to see a a doctor and this and that because if you look long and hard enough you're going to get what you want you're going to find what you want you can blame it on that for why you feel the way you do which is scary in itself right You'll see people suffering from depression, and next thing you know, they're disabled. And it's like, where the, you know, how did this even get started? Well, it started with some small trauma and some kind of depression that they were going through that they refused to take an antidepressant for, but they'll definitely take pain pills or something else, use drugs or alcohol. That's another thing, using drugs and alcohol. We use drugs and alcohol usually in those situations to excess for depression to help with the symptoms, Right. When you feel down, you don't feel good. I remember when I used to drink, for, you know, I just have, as soon as I took one sip out of a cocktail, I'd say, that's my dose of optimism. <laughs> I was like, I could do anything. It's all going to be fine until you're on your second drink. And then you're like, I'm going to go put a bullet in my head. I don't feel good. <laughs> my life is over. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. help. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't that's help. the point. <clears throat> so moving forward, what should we do? Well, first of all, let's take a peek at a few things that we know about the hopelessness. One thing you can do if you're not sure if you're depressed, okay, take a test. There's a bazillion of them on Google. Take a test. You may not be aware that you're depressed. So go take one of these tests. They're real easy, real short. 
just about how you're feeling, how you're doing, how your typical day looks, and see where you land, see where your marker is. Unfortunately, I've seen plenty of people take this test at the doctor's office and no one looks at it again. And I've said, you took, you took the depression test at your doctor's office. Yes, and I was honest and I told them everything and they never brought it up. They score like a 10 and nothing was brought up. So you have to take charge of your mental health. That's what I always say. And I have taken that test um, at the time of my father's passing. It just so happened that I had a doctor's appointment and they asked me those questions and I answered honestly. And, and you know what, from personal experience, they were at my doctor's office, they were amazing and how they immediately stopped for the physical and we started the counseling. And it was, yes, I was depressed over the loss of my, the unexpected Mm -hmm. loss of my father. So it was an amazing experience that I wasn't expecting. I was just there for my physical Mm -hmm. and they started asking questions and I answered honestly. And then they stopped the, uh, the initial appointment and went into that. That's wonderful because sometimes it doesn't happen. It gets lost in the paperwork and nobody addresses it. Yeah, no. Depending they, on who your doctor is. Yeah, no, they, it was amazing. So Good. I know from anybody who's listening, reach out to your, you know, your, this was my yes. general practitioner uh-huh. who I went for my physical and they asked some questions and I answered honestly and they said, okay, wait a minute, we have to stop now and we have to talk about this. And the, yeah. the appointment stopped at, at one point and we ad- addressed the reasons for my sadness and depression. Absolutely. And then we went back and finished the other appointment. After and the, and that would resolved. be your in situation. That is a trauma situation, that there's a reason. That situation means there's a reason for your depression. And I and I share this to our listeners to know yeah. that it can happen to anybody. 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 So, you know, maybe someone will listen, hear us speaking and know that it's happened to us. Mm-hmm. And there are there are options yes and help and out there absolutely and if you're frightened you don't want anybody to know take a test samsa has a test and there's a bazillion tests on there take it see where you score see where you land that's super helpful if you feel hopeless and you're not interested in the things you used to like to do that is another key indicator that you're suffering you're suffering in some way which it's it's needless suffering really with all the meds we have now to help with this that you may not have to take them forever and people think they're going to be an entirely different person, but they won't. And sometimes you don't need meds. Maybe just psychotherapy, CBT would be the best. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what I specialize in. Um, that's just changing the way you think and feel about things. Because when you're roaming around there up in your own mind all by yourself, you're ruminating, you're giving yourself the same answers, and you're not coming out with a good outcome. So it's very important that you have an outside opinion to help you to understand what's going on. If you're very anxious, if you're feeling overly anxious, if little things, crowds, people, being around people are making you anxious, that can be depression mixed with anxiety. Bathing is the number one thing. People are like, I don't even want to get out of bed and take a shower, brush my teeth, brush my hair. I don't want to do any of those things. And as you mentioned, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, that is really detrimental. Sleeping too much is difficult, but if we don't get enough rest, that leads to psychoses. So that can set you off into a bipolar episode and mania. So those are things that need to be addressed and are super important as well. Um, And also using drugs and alcohol to help with your symptoms. That's not going to help. Self-medication. Yeah, self-medication. Because you don't want to feel like shit. You want to feel better, right? You're like, this is legal. It's okay. I'll have a drink. I'll feel better. And then what happens is, you know, all of that sugar, all of those drugs, they have side effects as they leave your body. They leave you feeling as though you're detoxing and you are essentially. And so then that makes you feeling you have this void within yourself, sadder and more depressed. And so it's like a vicious cycle 
of chasing your tail. And so there's plenty of things, easy things to look at uh, about yourself and what's going on. My husband recently, he just started on antidepressants and I didn't, I'm a psychotherapist. I didn't even realize he was suffering like he was, but my husband has a serious heart condition and um, it's, he takes tons of medication. He has forever since he was 34 years old and it's breaking down the connective tissue in his, in his body. So this is, you know, a big, strong, vibrant man is losing, even no matter how much he works out, he's losing a lot of his viability, his strength and so forth. It's getting him down. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even cross my mind if you can believe that. So he was suffering in silence, suffering in anger. Let's say that suffering, suffering in anger and irritability, like men do, like I was mentioning, was super cranky, super nasty. I'm like, okay, you're real nasty, real cranky. We got to do something about this. Got a hold of somebody I know through, who is a psychiatrist, talked with them, and she said, We well, are depressed. Didn't even dawn on me. Didn't even dawn on me. But he's been on meds for about three months now, and he is so, he just feels better. He just feels better. You're more accepting, he's calmer. He's not as irritable. He's more accepting and more relaxed. And it's been a godsend for him. So, you know. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. All right, so how are we going to fix depression? What do you think, Gina? Uh, we're going to tell somebody. We're going to yeah. talk to somebody. We're going to yeah. admit to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I would think um, <clears throat> diet, you, you know, ch making sure that you're eating, that you know, yeah. you're keeping with those day-in, day-out Daily tasks, getting up out of the bed, taking a shower, brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely with the diet, for sure. Cut down on the sugar. Cut down on the carbohydrates, for sure, because they break down to sugar, people, just like alcohol breaks down to sugar, and that leaves you feeling anxious and um, really on edge, and that's not helpful. Stay connected to life. As much as you don't want to get out of bed, answer the phone or talk to anyone, that is the first thing that you need to do. You need to bathe every day. You need a schedule. You need a schedule because in the beginning, in the infancy of your depression, you need a schedule and a plan on how you are going to monitor every moment of your day and how this is going to help you get through the day. There's a great movie called The Hours about depression. It's very depressing, but it's an excellent movie about it. It's just about getting through the hours. And so in the beginning, that's the way it is. So if you have a plan, a steady plan, I get out of bed at this time, I take my shower at this time, then I eat, then I make my bed, then I exercise. Exercise is vitally important. It will help produce serotonin and dopamine in the brain, which is all your feel-good feelings. And if I don't like to exercise, because when I think of exercise, I think of, you know, uh, weights and jumping jacks and that kind of thing. Can I go for a walk? No, walking. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, definitely. A, a leisurely walk, get you out of the house, gets the endorphins going and get you feeling better for sure. And that's super um, helpful for the brain and the body. I highly recommend it. I've been working out recently because, you know, I'm on this diet plan, right? So mm -hmm. I'm going back Monday. I have to. The old cranium needs it. The little brain, my soft gray matter in there needs some help. Okay. It is my lifeline for sure. Um, face your fears. Face your fears. Whatever you're afraid of, whatever is making you feel bad, reach out, talk to a trained therapist that can help you face your fears and move through them. And as we mentioned before, to avoid alcohol and drugs. That is only masking what's going on. And once again, the routine, the schedule is super, super duper important. And, you know, like we were saying about the medications, I am not a doctor, but 
when you're not producing enough GABA, which is our break essentially, <clears throat> and you're overproducing adrenaline, which is our accelerator, we don't have the ability to calm ourselves down or to feel even, okay? So a lot of what these medications do, they're mood stabilizers. They can stabilize your mood. They can help you to, um, sometimes they can use mood stabilizers like Lamictal. There's diff plenty of different meds um, to stabilize your mood. And then an antidepressant to help you produce that extra serotonin that you need and um, help you to realign your dopamine, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, also associated with um, the brain. And then your serotonin is directly related to gut health. So that's where the sugar comes in, sleep and mood. And then the neopreatine, um, fight and flight. So that's where your medications come in to help you regulate those and find an even keel and find a way out of what seems to be a hopeless situation. A lot to take in. It is a lot to take in. We've shared some stories today. We've shared some information. We've shared our own experiences. Yes. To our listeners, what piece of advice, if you are feeling depressed or you're feeling some of the same symptoms, what would be the first step they need to take? First step they need to take is if you're a little apprehensive, please take one of the tests online and see where you fall in there. Second, talk to your general practitioner and see if they have any advice on how they can help you. And three, if you're feeling bold, get yourself a good therapist and a combination of your therapist and your general practitioner or psychiatrist will help you to move forward. But don't be frightened of getting better. Everybody's been through it. We've all been through it. We mentioned some links earlier in the episode and we'll make sure to include these links in the description. Absolutely. It's been a great topic. Thank you, Jeannie. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional.